Hi, ladies. This is Sue Mills, and welcome to the Virtue Podcast. And today we're going to talk about friendship. And you know, it's a lovely topic, and I love that you're listening in because it sounds like it can be joyful, fun. It's a happy subject, well, most of the time, but it is so much more, and we're going to dig into that now. Now, right off the bat, can I just say, I love my friends. Each one of them is a gift to me, and I've had so many fun adventures and experiences over my lifetime with crazy friends, and almost like peer pressure, they talk me into things and I do it, and we've also had hard times together. Friends are a gift to me. Did you know that there is an epidemic of loneliness in the United States? And that lack of connection with others can increase, now this is crazy, listen to this, can increase the risk for premature death in levels comparative to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Crazy. They're saying when you are lonely that it has an effect on your health comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And this is by the U.S. Surgeon General. Interesting. I read a report, and it was released a while ago, and the title of it is Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. And it says, even before the pandemic, about half of the U.S. adults reported experiencing levels of loneliness. I think we all, at one time or another, have experienced some sort of loneliness. But it goes on to warn again of the physical consequences of poor connection that can be devastating to your body. Listen to these statistics. 29% you have an increased risk of heart disease. 32% increased risk of a stroke. And a 50% increased risk of developing dementia in older adults. Isn't that interesting? You know, in the last few decades, we've gone through so many dramatic changes. Technology has changed. Our lives have changed. The isolation of the pandemic really changed for a lot of people. You notice now more people are moving. They're working from home. There's not a need to go into their job. And it seems like people are busier than ever, and connections are just not made. We have social media, texting, emails, and those are good things, aren't they? And yet, there is a lot of fallout from it. Now, isn't it interesting? We can communicate far better and faster than at any other time in history. You know, remember those days, they're long gone, where we would sit by a mailbox waiting for a letter, sitting by a phone waiting for a call. Everything now is instant, and yet we are in a loneliness pandemic. And you know, more and more people are used to it, and they're not seeing a need for connection and friendships. And you know, friendships can be hard at times. And yet, deep down, I think we all crave connection, don't we? Why? I believe it's a God-given craving for us to have a connection, a good friend, people to walk alongside us and share our joys and our tears. Listen to this verse in Proverbs 27.9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. So does the sweetness of a friend's counsel that comes from the heart. 
oil and perfume make the heart glad unless you're allergic to the smell of perfume. But think about bread baking or whatever it is that just makes you go, oh, that smells so good and it moves you. And it said that's the same experience as the sweetness of a friend's counsel that comes from the heart. Somebody that talks heart to heart with you, goes deep on a deeper level with you. It says, oh, that makes the heart glad. Ladies, friendship is designed by God, blessed by God, and it brings such joy, doesn't it? Now, some of you sitting here at the hearing of this might be thinking, you know what? Friendship's been not good for me. I'm so mad or I'm hurt or I feel betrayed by my so-called friend. No more. I don't need this. And yes, I agree. Friendships can get messy. No doubt. We are just humans trying to relate to one another. But think about it this way, too. When those things happen in relationships, they can give us an opportunity to forgive, an opportunity to show mercy, and we can watch God restore a friendship. But there is also those times that it is just best to part ways. A real friend is the gift God has given to us. Now, we have different seasons of friendship during our lives, don't we? And God places people in our lives, and some last a lifetime, and others are just for a short season of time. You know, I never see any of my friends that I went to elementary school with. I went to the same elementary school from kindergarten to eighth grade, and they shaped a lot of my experiences and who I am now. But we moved away, and I don't see a one of them. They were for a season of time. My high school friends, I do see a few of them, but certainly those were important relationships when I was young. We all got married at the same time. We all started families at the same time. And you know how women need women. We would call each other, what do you do with the baby? How do you breastfeed? How do you change? What about the ones that's screaming and has colic? Women need women. Being a parent of athletic children, we were always on a field or in a gymnasium, and here we were with those same parents that we saw all the time, and we were good friends cheering one another and cheering our kids on. It was a season, and it touched my life. You know, friends can increase our sense of belonging and purpose. It boosts your happiness, and it can reduce stress. They are, again, as I've said, and I'll say over and over, a gift that God has given to us to enhance our lives. You know, when I'm speaking um, and they give me the subject, I'm always checking the Bible out, seeing, okay, what does God have to say about this? And interestingly enough, friendship, there's a lot to say in the Bible about that. But as I was praying and saying, Lord, well, how do you want me to talk about friendship? What is it you want me to say or express? And you know, the Lord, he's so full of surprises, and um, he surprised me yet again, because what I kept coming back to, interestingly enough, was Jesus on the night of the Passover, before he was crucified. And I want to take a peek into the intimate dinner that he had with his closest friends. Now, I just love this part, and I find it interesting. Jesus loves sharing a meal with his friends. We see in Luke alone that there are 10 stories of Jesus dining with various people, some good friends, some new friends, and some that others would say were not friends. 
During Jesus' ministry on earth, everything was centered around a meal. And I, for one, love to share a meal with someone. You sit with them. You look at them. You enjoy the same food together. You're laughing. You're sharing heart to heart. There is something special about a meal. But those aren't the only things because sometimes I can get pricey, but you can make connections with friends, going on a walk, sitting on the beach, having the same things in common. But can I tell you that what profoundly has affected my life and still does to this day is just how valuable it is to get into a Bible study, studying together, bearing one another's burdens, getting to know these ladies on a deep level, praying for one another. Ladies, I cannot stress enough how important it is. And if you are not in a Bible study, I would so encourage you because you share on a deeper level than you would normally. You're digging in God's Word together and mining the truths, and you care for one another, and you're there for one another. I read an article by a psychiatrist named Daniel Amen, and I do not know if he's a Christian or not. It didn't say, but he deals with a lot of patients, and a lot of them are dealing with loneliness. And interesting. Out of all the things he could tell him with his advice, all of the medications he could prescribe, you know what he found in this article? What he said was, go back to church. Get involved. Get involved with groups. He said, we have to get back. And really, there is no better place to solve loneliness than at church. I just found that so interesting. You know, I have forever friends because of being in a small group, talking and sharing our lives together, crying together, rejoicing together, and sharing lots of meals together. Now I have friends that are not believers, and you know, they're wonderful friends, and I love them dearly, but there is not that spiritual component. There is something different. We can't share on that deep of a level, where when you are with a fellow believer, you can pray, even if you're distraught, even if you're confused, we can pray together because we have the same Heavenly Father. Spirit to spirit, we can pray and encourage one another and say, hey, I don't know how, but our God is going to fix this. We can rejoice together on such a deeper level. That is a bond that the world cannot give you. Jesus had 12 close friends that he spent a lot of time with. Jesus and his disciples, they traveled together, worked together, did ministry together, prayed together. Uh, The disciples argued a lot, asked questions. They were confused at times, and they didn't understand all that Jesus said and did. I find it interesting that when Jesus was picking his friends— He didn't go to the religious leaders and hang out with them. He didn't stay in the temple and just pour over Scripture and tell all the common folk what they did wrong. No. He went into the thick of it, and he went to the average Joe from all walks of life, and he called them to follow him. Now this night, the night of Passover, he calls his disciples with him and says, I want to have a meal with you. Listen to what it says in Luke 22, 15. I have looked forward 
to this hour with deep longing, anxious to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Listen to it in another translation. It says it this way. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus, just before he was betrayed, arrested, beaten, and crucified, and he knew that was all coming, and yet so much so he wanted to be with his closest friends to share a meal, to speak to them, to warn them, to pray over them, to show them humility, and to speak words of love to them. John 13.1 says this. It's in the Amplified. Now before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father, having greatly loved his own, who were the disciples, who were in the world. He loved them to the uttermost. He loved them. No matter how much they argued, no matter how many things they did, he loved them and he wanted to spend his remaining hours with them. The most horrific time that Jesus is facing, he chose to have a meal with his friends. Now think about this as they're sitting around eating at this meal. He knows the one that's going to betray him. He knows that once he's arrested, they would all desert him. He knew that Peter would deny him, and he told him so, didn't he? And yet, he loved them to the uttermost. Now, was this a perfect meal, like we see in paintings, or how it's depicted where they're all calm and in repose? I don't think so, because humans were there. Jesus was the perfect one, but everyone else was just struggling. When they first walked in, getting ready for the Passover meal— the Bible tells us in Luke twenty two twenty six that they were fighting over who would be the greatest in God's kingdom. And Jesus had to stop them and say, guys, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to learn to be a servant of all. So they're eating this meal. In the midst of the dinner, Jesus gets up and he takes off his garments, took a towel, and he wraps it around himself. He pours water into a basin, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples, and he dries them. Oh, my heavens, can you imagine this scene? I just think it would be like, what is happening here? There's so much deep meaning in this, not just our spiritual lives, but in all of our relationships. Jesus begins to do the job of a servant, the lowliest of servant in any household, now, remember, not too far back, Peter's saying, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're going to set up your kingdom. They were all waiting. They knew. And yet Jesus becomes a servant for them. Jesus got up in the middle of a meal from a place of rest and comfort. And you know, there are times in our friendships, it's not convenient. We just have so much going on, but we see a need for our friend, or our friend asks for help, and we feel that nudge from the Holy Spirit, and we do what we can for our friend. When I was a young mom, I was having marital problems, and I had four little kids underfoot, and I hadn't been sleeping in a very long time, and I was talking to a dear friend on the phone, and I was probably crying and telling her all the things that were going on, 
And you know what she said? She said, you are exhausted. I'm coming over and I'm taking your kids so you can take a nap. Now she had three very busy little boys, but she packed them in the car and she came over and she got my kids. That would have been seven kids under the age of seven. Now it doesn't sound like a really big deal, but you know what? It was. It was everything. She left her place of comfort to serve me. And you know, to this day, it blesses me to even think about it. Because you see, a good friend loves at all times and looks out for the needs of others. And she put her love into action for me. And it can look so different for so many people. Maybe it's just stopping what you're doing and listening or praying with them, encouraging them. Sometimes it's making a meal. It's driving them to the doctor. It's babysitting for them. Sometimes it's on the phone, just listening, or a text. You drop a text that says, I love you, I'm thinking about you. Jesus laid aside his garment, took a towel, and girded himself and washed their feet. Jesus, the Son of God, became a humble servant. Now after he was done, he got up and he said to his disciples, Do you understand what I've done? And I can imagine they're all like, not a bit, no. We do not understand what you just did. And in a paraphrased, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. He said, I'm your teacher, but I am showing you that no one is above taking off your garment, a position or power or business or comfort, and you roll up your sleeves. You get down eye level with your friend and you say, I'm here for you. I'm listening. How can I pray for you? How can I help you? I love you no matter what. Oh, ladies, serve each other, wash each other's feet. Love each other with the love of God. Now after their meal, Jesus and his disciples walked to an olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I go and pray. And then he took three of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, and they walked a little further. And then he stops And he turns to his friends and he says this, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Watch with me. Jesus wanted his friends to be with him in one of the darkest hours. The situation wasn't going to change for Jesus because he willingly went to the cross to die a horrific death. The Bible tells us that he was in so much torment, he sweat great drops of blood. But at this night, he wanted his friends close to him, to pray with him, to watch. Ladies, can I tell you, after my husband Greg was taken to heaven, the number of friends, especially those close friends, who laid aside their garments of their lives and wrapped the towel around him and helped me, and it was unbelievable. In my darkest hour, (sighs) there were my friends just being there with me. And what a gift of friendship that is. They sat with me. They prayed with me. They loved me. Nothing was going to change for me. The situation was my husband was now gone. But in my darkest hour, they were right there. So many precious friends put aside so many things to help me. And I can't possibly repay all the foot washings I received then. And you know, I continue to receive now. Truly, ladies, I have seen Christ and his love 
and humility played out time and time again in the gift of friendship. I'm overwhelmed by it all. And it all comes from people laying aside their busyness of their day to minister to me. Longtime friends, new friends, I can honestly tell you today, I would not be doing as well as I am doing if it wasn't for my friends. And some of you may be thinking, I don't know, it just seems like too much, too much work, too much maintenance. I know, I get it. Friendships can be hard, but they are so rewarding. And if you don't have one, I want to pray with you right now that the Lord would send somebody and that you would be open to get involved in a small group. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for this time. I just thank you for just a small glimpse into friendship. And I'm praying for that one woman that says, I don't have any friends. I don't really want any. I'm nervous about it. But that, Lord, you would place into her heart a desire for that one close friend. And, Lord, we know that the one true friend is you. You never leave us nor forsake us, and you are that friend that sticks closer than a brother. But I pray for that one woman that is lonely, that needs to have friends, that she would take that step, that bold step to get involved in a group, but Lord, that you would send that one special friend to her. And I thank you, Lord, for the gift of friendship and what it has meant in my life and what it is in so many to be in the family of God and share with one another. So I thank you for this. I thank you for this time. Lord, you are that friend. You are our God and our King, and we love you, and we thank you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.